In this report, choosing the Goldilocks SUV for a growing family. So if you are a mad, mad breeder, which is just what the world needs because we are clearly short of human beings overall, if that's you, this one's for you. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap, cheap I say. But there are limits, dude, like Australia-only kind of limits. Website. Card. Now, we'll be dealing with this thorny question of Goldilocks SUV in just a second from a dude whose parents just had the best, the best taste in Christian name for their son. Well done, Mr. and Mrs. Shen approved. But first, I propose to introduce a new segment, the Moment of Zen, because from time to time, people like you, good folk, dudes and dudettes out there doing, you know, whatever, they send me stuff, and sometimes it's very funny. And at other times, it's so funny that there is actual leakage, which is spotting, not flooding, but leakage nonetheless. And I thought I might share things of this nature with you. The first one comes from a dude named Christopher Walster. Thank God for the smartphone camera is all I can say. He sends me a caption as well, C-dub, which says, Big tray on dual cab Hilux. This doesn't look right. To which I would retort, Au contraire, C-dub. It's looking pretty good to me, dude. See, it reminds me of that famous quote from Archimedes about, Give me a place to stand and I will... Bend the chassis of your shop-modified shitbox Hilux into a fucking pretzel, but I won't break it, because clearly that's impossible. Now, when I review pictures such as this, it gives me flashbacks to before the Sydney Olympics when I used to work for Street Machine magazine all those years ago. I've been to the Summer Nats plenty of times, and I can hear the conversations which pertain to Modifications such as that, the good idea modifications, you know? Hey, Muzz. Muzz, yeah, get over here. I need your help. Give us a hand bolt and a bigger tray on me, you dude. I got this one on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, dickhead. Dickhead just about gave it away. Perfect. And when you get it, can you bring us your ugga-dugga? Because Trev loaned mine and he just doesn't realise it's a precision instrument. Anyway, yeah, well, flinned it, so I'm going to need yours, and when you get here, don't worry about the fuel filler being on the wrong side, because that's just a detail, son. She'll be right, yeah. Okay, check ya. And then... I'm hearing you, Muzz. I'm, I'm hearing you. Okay, so maybe it's not as straight as it was. I'll give you that. But I shouldn't have hooked up with a whole lot of Rosie down the back of the rubbery last Friday, clearly, because everything's got its structural limit. I know that. I know that. But you can hardly tell. And it makes unloading just a piece of piss, mate. So there's that. Anyway, i got to go. I've got a show to do here. Okay, check out. 
Hmm. Hashtag Australia. Best damn country on earth. That's not uh, Norway or Ireland or Switzerland or Iceland or Hong Kong or Germany or Sweden. That's according to worldpopulationreview.com. Let's not be shooting the messenger. And now, this just in from a dude named John Shen. I'm considering buying an SUV for my growing family and for handling daily tasks and trips. No serious off-roading is considered at the moment. That'll save you a lot on blue singlets, won't it, Mr Shen? I've been considering the Mitsubishi Outlander for some time and now see that the most recent generation is no longer on your best cars list. What's going on there? Does that mean you do not recommend the current gen Outlander for some reason? We'll get to that. I'm also considering the Mazda CX-9, but I am mindful of its higher asking price. What are your thoughts? Kindest regards, John Shen. Well, John, what are my thoughts? I mainly think about boobies whenever I can, because it's just relaxing and it just, you can just feel the stress wash away. I think about simple harmonic motion and viscoelasticity. You should try it. In relation to the Outlander though, I kind of recommend it still because Mitsubishi does a good job with customer support and it's not bad overall but it's basically an X-Trail and it's been a cloned X-Trail since August of 2021 and that means no diesel anymore and uh, eight-speed CVT like I don't know why car makers do this. Well, I do know why they do it. It's because CVTs have got such a bad reputation for droning on. But whenever you give a CVT these sort of fake discrete ratios, you erode the benefit of the CVT. So you get all of the and none of the benefit, right? The thing about CVTs is Goldilocks revs for the required output. And then when you give it the ratios and some knob drives like that, it, why not just have an epicyclic automatic for sake, right? So anyway, doing this whole thing means no diesel, eight-speed CVT plus a space saver spare tyre, and it's a cloned Nissan. The Outlander has been Nissanified, okay? And the difference is that if you can live with those mechanical shortcomings or compromises, whatever you want to call it, then I would buy an Outlander every day of the week versus an X-Trail just because Mitsubishi has its shit together much more than Nissan, at least in Australia. Now, Nissan is not Dr. Evil. They're just kind of incompetent, right? They don't maliciously try to fuck people over but they just they seem to manage it and their product inventory is uninspiring at best like patrol i can see a case for that that's pretty clear cut and even the absurdly overpriced gtr like what a weapon it's a halo car i get that i can see a case a very limited case but a case for that everything else in the range like what are they thinking? You have to say, they've even got a hybrid that's gone so far as to be actually an EV that's powered by an internal combustion engine and is thus less efficient than just turning and burning from a crankshaft to the wheels. Like, 
This is where Nissan is. They just kind of got damaged in the whole IQ department during the GFC and they never fully recovered. And Nissan Australia just needs to get its shit together in addition. So if you were going to buy that platform, it would have to be the Outlander. And the other thing I'd say, it's a good value proposition, right? Like it's $53,500 plus on road costs for the fully loaded Wurzburger Exceed all-wheel drive, right? And the ES, the base model Chitois two-wheel drive, it's 36,000 bucks plus on road costs. So that's pretty cheap. And going from two-wheel drive to all-wheel drive in that platform is two and a half grand. So that's quite reasonable as well. I would say, however, that row three is extremely tight in that car. So if I was gonna be using row three all the time, I'd be digging a bit deeper pocket-wise and just buying a different kind of seven-seat SUV. But if you've got kids and the kids have their friends over just occasionally, or you use that third row infrequently, but you like it being there, then okay, approved. But if you're going to use it religiously, like or even more than religiously, so not just on Sunday, but five or six days a week, buy something bigger because only tiny people or amputees are going to be comfortable back there and they can suck it up occasionally the kids friends okay who cares but if it's every day it's going to get old back there all right so there's just that to consider but at the price point it is a pretty cheap way to get yourself into seven seat suv city okay now i'd also suggest that it's kind of line ball on price with plenty of five seaters but if you're in the market for five seaters I'd be saying Sportage, particularly the diesel, or Tucson, which is more available. And once again, particularly the diesel. CX-5's not bad, but we're back to having a space saver spare. And Forrester's not bad either, frankly. If you really want a seven-seater, I'd be saying Sorrento or Santa Fe. CX-9 is kind of okay, but we're back to being petrol only, and it's got a space saver, and I don't see how you can get the full-size spare in there if you get a flat on a big trip. The reason I'm so down on space savers is not that people get flat tyres all the time. It's just Murphy's Law, right? If you're out there in the friggin' boonies, you're like three hours away from home on some B road, and you get a flat tyre, then you're limited to 80 k's an hour on that tyre. It is unsafe to drive it faster than that. There's a speed limitation on the spare wheel that tells you that. And that means that middle of the night, pissing down rain because Murphy's Law, you drive on some dodgy B road at 80 k's an hour, and then you get onto the freeway for the last hour back home. And what happens is you're doing 80 and everybody else is driving in the rain and they're closing on you at 110 k's an hour. And to me, given the level of aggression and incompetence out there on the roads in Australia, that is flat out terrifying. So you've got to weigh that against how often you actually get flat tyres, I guess. CX-9 has uh, no diesel. If you want a diesel, you could go for CX-8. And CX-8 is ever so slightly cheaper than CX-9 as well. And look, if you're a dead set mad router and you've got like lots of kids, then Carnival is a great way of having eight seats and so is Palisade. And the difference there is even if you upgrade to Sorrento, Santa Fe, CX-9, vehicles like this, 
they really don't have all that much room for luggage when all seven seats are occupied, right? So that is a bit of a compromise for the big trip. If the kids have their friends with them or you've got your aging parents with you and your children or whatever, it's just like a big bus moving people, where are you going to put their stuff for a week away? Like, that is a problem. Not so much in a carnival or a palisade because there is actual luggage room back there with all the seats occupied. So that's pretty cool. I'm uh, also borderline suggesting a Kluger if you want seven seats, but Kluger is a bit yawn. It comes from the king of mediocrity. And people who like their Klugers, they love Toyota and they think that's great. But objectively, Toyota's thing is decent reliability, decent support, mainly, but mediocre vehicles. Like when you look at the equipment and the price, I'm just not seeing the value there, frankly. And the other thing about the Outlander that I need to touch on, of course, is that there is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle version, like a FEV, and that might as well be a completely different vehicle. It's a different usage case and it's much more expensive. So if you're kind of balking at the CX-9, then you really won't be in the market for the Outlander plug-in. And if you are in the market for the Outlander plug-in and you want some context there, it's expensive, but it's got big range, okay, on battery only. So you can drive it from home to the office and back as an EV. But these plug-in hybrids with the big batteries, the case for them can really only be made objectively if you're prepared to plug them in and operate them in EV mode as often as possible because otherwise this big heavy battery that gives you the potentially big range in EV mode, it's just excess baggage. So yeah, I did take it out of the recommended cars list. This is the Outlander generally when it became a cloned Nissan, but I might think about putting it back in because it's not a dog and it's not a lemon. It's just not as, as inspiring as a Tucson or a Sportage if you really only need five seats and it's not as good as the uh, Sorrento or Santa Fe if you need seven. But obviously it is in the sweet spot if you're really scratching around for a budget seven-seat SUV.